Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by our friends over at Celsius. I am John Ledyard of PewterReport.com. Along with me today, a very special guest. You hear me often reference his tweets and his breakdowns. I've written full articles based on this guy's thoughts and opinions because that's how much I think of his thoughts and opinions. We've worked together in the past. Uh, We've done video breakdowns before together. We DM frequently to discuss players and plays and scheme and coaches. And he is one of the people in this business that I truly could not say enough positive things about. Brandon Thorne on Twitter at, at Brandon Thorne NFL, right? That's the new one. That's the new yep. handle. Yeah, at Brandon Thorne yep. NFL. So uh, he does a lot of O line and D line expert breakdowns. And so we're going to talk Bucks and Saints O line D line breakdowns. Brandon, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Super excited to talk Bucks and Saints with you. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited about what you're doing and uh, I'm excited about this matchup. So it's really yeah. cool to talk about it with you. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it is it's one of those matchups, man, that on paper you get thrilled about because the individual matchups and kind of the best players on both sides seem to be kind of destined to meet in this game for a ton of snaps. And so there will be a lot for us to kind of sift through and break through on this podcast in individual matchups on both sides when the Saints have the ball and when the Bucks have the ball. And uh, we're going to break it all down. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's all brought to you by our friends. It's Celsius powers active lives every day. And you know me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not coming on the show without a little Celsius in my hand. Got the kiwi guava, the sparkling kiwi guava, healthy energy, accelerates metabolism, burns body fat. You've seen me the last few days. I've been drinking one of the new Celsius products from the heat line. Uh, I really, really enjoy that. You've probably heard me rave about the blueberry pomegranate. Scott tried the blueberry pomegranate today. He texted me all caps. This is out of this world. Like he was pumped about the blueberry pomegranate. So I'm telling you, check out Celsius. They're great energy drinks. And what's great about them is you don't get the crash that you get from other energy drinks and you're not getting any of the unhealthy stuff either. You know, that's what I love about it. I'm kind of, and I know Brandon, you're kind of that way too. Like we like to work out and take care of our bodies and we're kind of a little bit, not health nuts maybe, but like we're conscious of those things. And so when you have a drink like Celsius that gives you the energy and the boost you need, but doesn't sacrifice your health in the process, man, it is exciting. And for me, you know, I don't, I'll drink coffee. Like I don't drink any of that kind of stuff. I don't drink energy drinks really, honestly, until Celsius. And now I find myself drinking these all the time and I love the flavors. I mean, the flavors are out of this world. I mean, I've had, I think 11 flavors now and I've like literally liked every single one of them. So super pumped about that. Check out Celsius. I'm telling you, they got great uh, products. You can buy them at a local store if you're in the Tampa Bay area. They have them all over the place. You can find kind of a store locator on Celsius.com, but also you can order them on Amazon. You can get the variety pack and get a tons of ton of different flavors. So Celsius, it's awesome stuff. Check it out, try it out. If you're, if you're doing your workouts especially, can't recommend it enough. But even if you're not, man, just a great energy boost without the bloated feeling you get from some of the other energy uh, caffeine th- related products that you might drink. And so 
Can't recommend it enough. Celsius, check it out. Brandon, we got a ton to talk about in this matchup, but I want to start with the kind of national narrative about the Bucks' offensive line from a game against Washington last week in which everybody kind of went in talking about Washington's defensive line and they got all these young and exciting players, and it is a good defensive line, but it felt like nationally nobody realized that the Bucks' offensive line has been pretty awesome this year, and nobody gave them that respect, and then you know, I'm just curious your thoughts going into the game. It's not like they've won every matchup in that game, but at the same time, an impressive going across the board. I thought, what are your thoughts as you've kind of reviewed that tape and your offensive line as a whole this season? Yeah, I mean, the Bucks for me, uh, I, I do rankings for establish the run every week, uh, really for pass protection, but it kind of bleeds over into overall play as well. And the Bucks have been probably a top three offensive line the whole year, you know, top three or four. So that's how I view them. I mean, they're definitely one of the, you know, elite units in the league and it's because of their top three guys, uh, you know, Werfs, Jensen and Marpet, and then Kappa and Smith have been pretty solid this year as well. Um, you know, especially considering Smith's past performances, you know, past season. So, uh, you know, certainly a top three unit, uh, and it's funny. I mean, my top three units are all in the playoffs still, um, and uh, yeah, they're one of them, um, along with the Saints, actually. Uh, <laughs> so, this is—I mean, these are two really good top three offensive lines, and then uh, you know, probably top three or four defensive lines, at least in the playoffs. And uh, right. you know, I'm sure we we'll get to that, but yeah, they're a really good unit. Yeah, and what's what's crazy about this is we have we have plenty of positive things to say about both teams' defensive lines too in the Saints Bucks matchup, and that doesn't even scratch the surface of where their offensive lines are at. And so for trench warfare, this is going to be uh, one heck of a matchup, Brandon. You know, we let's kind of look at this on an individual basis first. Let's start with the heavy hitters. You know, for the Bucks, Tristan Wirfs has been unbelievable as a rookie. Allowed one sack to, to Khalil Mack, and even that, you know, wasn't like the worst rep of the year or anything. Um, he has just been everything you could have hoped for and more for a rookie. He looks like one of the true star rising stars in today's league. And then you've got one of the greats and one of the underrated greats of the last decade in Cam Jordan, who he's going to go up against. This matchup's already occurred twice, and so – You've seen it. You've broken down the, the reps of this matchup. How do you feel like it's gone the first two times they've played? And what do you think kind of are the big points in this? Does somebody need to try something else or do something else or adjust something for this matchup in order to be successful? Yeah, I mean, Worst just needs to keep doing what he was doing the, the first two matchups. I mean, he this is a really good matchup for him. Um, I, I think if, you know, if somebody's going to give him trouble – uh, you know, I think probably this year is maybe like somebody like Bosa and, you know, Jordan <clears throat> this year hasn't been his best year. You know, I think uh, even the, the prior year and the year before that, it seems like he's kind of gradually on a downward curve. Um, yeah. Still certainly a good player, you know, and uh, he could obviously go off against anybody. Still, he still has that level of capability, but um, I think that worse this year has handled him <laughs> you know, as well as you can expect anybody to handle him. Right. Um, and he's really taken it to him as well. It's not like he's just, you know, kind of creating stalemates, which would be a good thing. And he's done that, but he's also turned the tides on him and put him on his back a couple of times and like pushed him around even. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Worfs, you know, certainly has the upper hand in this matchup and it's crazy to be that confident in a rookie. That's wild. <laughs> but, I, I mean, based on the first two matchups, uh, I'm looking at some film of him right now against Jordan. It's just like, his, you know, his play strength, his ability to anchor, 
his hand usage and placement and then the, how heavy his hands are. Um, I mean, he's getting to his spot consistently. He's not really, you know, he's just so fundamentally sound this season. And we've, I think we've seen two of his better performances this year against Jordan. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Jordan is a pros pro and I'm sure he's studied and, you know, he's going to try something different, but uh, you know, going in, I, I, I lean worse in this one. Wow. I mean, it's crazy because I, I am fully aware of your affinity for Cam Jordan over the years. Yeah. And so I know for you to say that, Worfs has to be playing at a truly special level. You've been doing this a long time. You know, as you watch guys coming in the NFL, is there a guy, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but is there a guy that you've seen come from college ball to the NFL as smoothly and as dominantly as Tristan Worfs has at, the, at, at either offensive tackle spot, I guess? Man, at a tackle spot? I, I mean, I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I mean, you know, obviously guard Quentin Nelson, but uh, tackle is that kind of it's that it's on that level because people think of Quentin Nelson, right? Because people, but Quentin Nelson came out and everybody was like, he's the best offensive lineman in the draft. He's probably the best player in the draft, but he's a guard, so you know he might go in six or seven or wherever he went. But everybody kind of expected Tris, you know, Quentin Nelson to come and be a dominant player early on. Doesn't make it any less amazing that he was. But Tristan Wirfs was kind of like, you know, he's at one through four. He's somewhere in, you know, he's going to be good, but will it take a while? And you, no one saw him being like equivalent with Nelson. I think if you have said that pre-draft, people would have laughed, but that's kind of what you've seen, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, I can't, I mean, even like Ronnie Stanley, Larry Tunsil, that class, they weren't, I don't think, this good, this fast. Uh, and as far as other tackles that have came out recently, you know, I mean, Ramchek was really good right away, but gosh, I don't think he was quite like this even, uh, especially in pass protection. And the thing about it, too, with Worfs, he's had elite competition. You know, we've seen him against the best of the best several times this year, and I think that's what really puts it over the edge for me to be so confident in him because that's huge for me when I'm evaluating line play. I look at matchup and uh you know level of competition and if you're going against very good and elite guys and you're performing right. at this level then you know you're pretty much you know i think you're legit you know there's nothing right. else for you to prove i mean because right. you've done it against Khalil Mack, joey bosa cam jordan and he's done it you know against other guys as well those ones stick out to me but i think he's certainly uh worthy of being mentioned in that quentin nelson tier uh, as a rookie at least uh, we'll see if he can string it together like quentin has but um, for year one, I mean, it's certainly been at that level, in my opinion. I, I had him as a first team all pro, so right, yeah. right, yeah, it doesn't get, doesn't get much better than that, man. To do that as a rookie is pretty rare, mm-hmm. and so it is crazy. Yeah. I mean, as much as I say, you know, nobody, you know, people didn't expect him to be Nelson, nobody expected him to be there at, at 13 or four, you know, they trade up a spot to 13 to get him, but nobody expected him to be at that point in the draft either. And you know, someday on this podcast, we'll get into some of the why, why I believe Tristan Wirfs fell to the, even that point in the draft. I think it's interesting stuff. Some of it's a little bit sad and 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 a little bit uh, of a tendency, so revealing to some tendencies in the NFL and their draft stat- strategies and how they evaluate, especially that position group. But we'll save that for another time. Maybe we'll have you back on to discuss and talk about some of that stuff uh, with the Tristan Wirfs and where he went in the draft and stuff because I think it's a fascinating side conversation. But in this, ma- in this game, you've got kind of matchups across this offensive line. And we're going to get to Aaron Stinney, who's obviously stepping in for Alex Kappa. But the other one, I want to move to the other kind of elite-on-elite elite matchup. And, I, man, I'm going to be honest with you. 
I thought David Onyemata coming out of college was one of the most promising players. And so I gave him like this, I mean, he was coming from Canada. So I hardly heard any tape on him. I watched what tape I had and I was like, this guy is so talented. I mean, I really thought he was like, I was like, I wish I could see him against better players. So I like kind of hesitantly gave him like my highest fourth round grade. And this was years ago. I don't even think I had a numerical scale when he came out and it kind of worked it way up. And now he's truly this year. I mean, his games against the Bucks, at least I've seen a couple of his other games too, but he has been unbelievable. I know this was against Joe Haig, but that's what you want. I mean, he tossed Joe Haig around like the whole, he, he changed the first quarter of that game, which was obviously a pivotal first quarter. He changed it with the way that he played. Now he gets to go up against Sally Marpet. Just curious what you've seen from Onyemata, what you've seen from Marpet and how you feel like that matchup plays out on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I mean, Onyemata, you were on him earlier than I, I was. I first got wind of him in 2017 uh, when I watched every defensive tackle from Bleacher Report. And yeah. I had never seen this guy before. And uh, I was just so impressed by him. And he's only built on that since. Um, I mean, the thing about Onyemata, he's he's a, he's obviously just a powerful guy. Uh, we right. know him on tape, I think. That's the thing that stands out most. Um, he, he's very his competitive toughness is very high as well. He won't back down from anybody. He's just going to keep coming all game long. He's aggressive, physical. He has a hump move uh, as a nice counter, a bull rush, and his hands have developed even more than that as well. Um, he could do a couple other things. So, I mean, this is going to be a great matchup for Ali Marpet. I mean, just like last week against John Allen, I mean, kind of a similar type of guy just mm-hmm. extremely powerful and Marpet's anchor is going to get tested early and often in this game. Um, and, you know, last week I thought Marpet played pretty well, but, you know, him and Allen were just like heavyweight fighters literally just throwing, you know, trading blows the whole game. I mean, it was, it was just crazy. I, just, I mentioned, I, I can't believe, I can't imagine how sore, you know, like Marpet was after that game. Cause it was just right. so physical. And then this week, I think it's going to be a similar story. Um, so, I mean, I, I give Marpet the, the edge in this one as well, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him lose, you know, a couple reps uh, when you're going against this level of competition at this point in the season, you know, that usually happens. So um, right. Marpet, you know, his Marpet's strength and his grip strength and his anchor and his ability to get on it quickly and latch into their frame and just, you know, kind of strain and sustain that is second to none. So right. It's like, a, it's like a strength on a strength type matchup here. So uh, that, you know, that's the second best matchup. We're almost on par with the right tackle matchup with Cam Jordan, you know, worse than Jordan. I think these two matchups are, you know, by far the best in the game. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you said it with Marpet. You and I talked about it over the summer. I remember, I remember, you know, cause I've seen Marpet, but I was studying everybody like closely before the season, you know, from 2019 tape. And I remember texting you and I was just like, dude, Ali Marpet's grip strength is insane. Like you can't get off of like once he grabs you, you just can't do anything. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's truly it's an elite, funny. elite trait. Um, and, but you're right. Like he and John Allen, heavyweight fight. I mean, John Allen got him with that. Like I think it was a club late in the game, and Brady threw a dime. But that was kind of, I mean, that was as quickly as I've seen Marpet beat. And there was a rep against the Chiefs. I'm trying to remember, but I mean, he's only given up like 11 pressures all year or something like that. So. You know, and, and that was probably as quick as I've seen him get beat all year. So, again, you're right. This time of the year, you play elite on elite, you're probably going to get got once, and your quarterback's <laughs> going to make a play. And Brady made it in that game and, and maybe hasn't all season, but, yeah. And, and the thing about the Allen-Marpet matchup is, you know, Allen can win quick, and that's kind of like a secondary way of winning. Usually it's power. 
Uh, yeah. And I mean, if you watch him in Marpet, he was driving Marpet back into Brady, and you know Brady was able to kind of maneuver, get the ball away quickly. But I mean, Marpet wasn't just stoning this guy. You know, not not that I was expecting him to, but right. it's not like he would just end it at the line of scrimmage or take like a little hop step back and it'd be over. No, he's getting like war back, you know, to or walk back to the quarterback several times, and that doesn't count as a pressure. Some right. of the time, maybe some of the time it does, it does, I don't know. But, um, you know, so there's more to the matchup than just that quick win. Um, right. And I think it's going to be a similar type thing with Onyemata. I think yeah. he's going to be able to, you know, stress his anchor a little bit. But, I mean, like I said, I think Marpet's going to win the matchup. Right. Yeah, it's, it is. It's. I mean, it's not having Marpet in the last game honestly changed that game, Brandon. I mean, you, you've, you I'm sure, reviewed that matchup in, that, in week nine. Oh, yeah. And it was – it was huge in that game. I mean, Joe Haig got tossed around in the first couple drives of the game, and Brady was hit on a ton of throws, and it impacted a lot of the game. I mean, you just say that Brady has every strength in the book, basically, you can think of, but he's just not mobile. And, you know, I, I don't even blame him for that necessarily. It's just the way God made him, you know. And so it's kind of like you you can't get totally destroyed. You can get, you can get like you said, walk back slow. He'll move. You know, you can even beat on the edge sometimes, and Brady will help you out. But you can't get destroyed up the middle and expect your quarterback to have a good day. I don't care who you are. And so right. um, it is going to be huge in this game. I think you're right because that is a, a really tough matchup. Now, uh, uh, Donovan Smith is somebody you and I talked about a lot in the summer. He's kind of – he's grown, but it's like – but at the same time, it's like he got that second contract before he was like – even the player that he is now – and so when with that second contract comes, you know, criticism and comes, you know, ex, you know, a little bit more attention and he has had ugly moments. Uh, you know, his technique is not always kind of where it should be. You know, it looks a little bit different for Donovan Smith than other tackles in the league. So I guess what have you seen from Donovan Smith kind of this year? Do you think he's made strides and he has he actually let's focus there first. And then I want to ask you about his potential matchups. What have you seen from Donovan Smith this year? And do you think he's improved and and maybe we're, I mean, his guaranteed money's up after this year. I don't know if you know that. And so the Bucks are, have kind of a decision to make with him. Like it's a big cap hit. I forget exactly what it is, but it's a decent cap hit and he's played better, but is it worth it when you have to bring back guys like Devontae David, Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, which they can do and, and make it work. But so they've got to weigh that kind of, but what have you seen from him? And has he moved in a direction that you think is, is pretty promising for his future in the NFL? Um, I mean, a little bit, you know, I, I think, Having Brady back there, you know, helps all offensive linemen to an extent, maybe him more right. than anybody else on the line. Uh, he's taken a little bit less chances, which is good. I mean, uh, you know, I think the thing about Donovan Smith throughout his whole career since he's been in the NFL is he has a tendency to get over aggressive in pass protection and want to just throw hands at a guy and, and yeah. you know, two hands strike him. You know, and that the margin for error when you play that style of game and pass protection, especially, is very thin. So, and he's gotten beat clean, you know, many times over the course of his career because of that, you know, aggressive nature that he plays with. It's very, um, you know, risky, really. Uh, so he's he's, you know, I thought I thought brought that back in a little bit, you know, kind of reeled it in a little bit this year. But he still has moments where, you know, he feels like he can just go and just snatch a guy and he misses and then he creates a soft, you know, uh, outside shoulder and just a, yeah. you know, quick corner for a guy, um, you know, because if you miss with that outside hand, you know, it's, I know some people say if you miss with your outside hand as a pass protector, it's death, you know, because 
you, it's over you know, at that yeah. point, um, especially if you're really swinging it at a guy and it's not just kind of like a grab. He's really like a puncher, you know? So, right. um, you know, that, that's risky, uh, you know, and guys with speed are able to really take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, we, we could segue into the matchups because he's not going to see a whole lot of speed, but yeah. So it'll yeah. be interesting. Right. And his matchups are fascinating. I mean, Scott and I touched on this a little bit yesterday on the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check it out. But his matchups, truly fascinating in this game. Before we get to those matchups, do want to mention that if you're thinking about betting this weekend on the games, do it and do it at mybookie.ag. I'm telling you, folks, if you want to go somewhere to bet this weekend, there's no better place than mybookie. Too much of anything is bad, but too much sports is barely enough. With that in mind, say hello to January 2021 from an expanded NFL playoffs and obviously the national championship game that just happened, return of the NBA and NHL, which came back. Shout out Lightning, big win the other night. This is truly a great month to be a sports fan. We aren't always used to that in January like we are this year, but this is a it's pretty fun January for sports fans. So we always tell people, head over to my bookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. Don't you we don't use my bookie just because some corporate overlord told us to. We use them because they're the best. They'll hook us up with a, a 50% deposit bonus up to a thousand bucks when you sign up, and they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. It's simple. Sign up and enter that promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, pewter, and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie today and start 2021 off on the right foot. This year, bet with the best, bet with my bookie, and use that promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R today. Brandon, in this game, Donovan Smith has to go up against because Cam Jordan's going to play most of the game, and he's going to he plays almost every snap on the left side. He hardly ever plays on the right side, so he might see Cam Jordan a, a time or two in this game. But he's probably going to have a weird assortment of rushers to go up against. They'll see a little yeah. bit of Marcus Davenport, I believe. If he's, I think he's healthy. He kind of comes and goes with himself. Trey Hendrickson, I believe, is slated to play. I think he's practiced after. I think he missed a lot of the Bears game. And uh, Carl Granderson has even been kind of in the mix. He actually beat Donovan Smith for a sack in week one. It was probably one of Smith's worst plays of the year. And um, so I just, I guess, what do, what do these guys offer? I mean, it seems like, I mean, Hendrickson's kind of the short arm dude who's broken out this year. You know, you have Davenport, who's this big, long, lanky guy, who's big power guy. And so, you know, what do you see in this matchup for Smith? And is it difficult to go up against guys who are kind of different builds like that throughout a game? I think so for sure because you know you want to build your your plan as a pass protector based on your opponent. So if you have three different opponents, obviously there's a lot more uh, to consider there. And Smith has to be careful not to spread himself too thin this week and really just trust what he's good at, and then just right. you know mix in some some change ups here and there throughout the game. Uh, that's typically the, I think, the mindset that you know most elite tackles have going into a game. Uh, you, you do want to have some change-ups in your technique, whether that be your pass set or your hands. Uh, so you want to have a little variance there, um, whether that's you know a jump set or just a different angle on your angle of departure out of your stance to kind of throw off the timing of these guys, um, and then you know mix up your hands a little bit. And that's something that Smith you know, traditionally hasn't been very good at. Uh, but, you know, this week, um, like you said, Davenport, he's just pretty much all power, uh, you know, not not a very refined rusher, and he's dealt yeah. with a lot of injury as well. So, um, you know, if he's going to win, chances are it's a bull rush <clears throat> or, you know, something power-oriented. Uh, Hendrickson, 
you know, this season, I mean, this at least for his sacks, he, he's primarily one with a bull rush. Uh, he's gotten a lot of cheap sacks this year as well. Uh, but he doesn't, you know, I mean, I've seen some attempted moves, but as far as successful moves, I think his best thing might be like a double swipe move. Yeah. And that's something that can really give Smith trouble because it really kind of attacks that outside hand. Yeah. And if Smith isn't careful, then Hendrickson could beat him quickly around the edge. Uh, I think he's certainly capable of doing that. And then Granderson, man, I mean, you know, I watched him as a rookie. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think. I don't know if it was last yeah. year or the year before. And I remember Tyron Smith just absolutely dominated him. Uh, <laughs> I watched him in college a little bit. And, you know, just wasn't, you know, super crazy about him. I, you know, you could see some, some twitch to his game, some explosiveness. And uh, this year, man, I mean, like you mentioned, the, that week one sack, he has one high-quality sack this season that I charted, and it was that, that sack. It was filthy right. as a inside-out stutter. Uh, well, I mean, it was high quality, but it wasn't. If that was the one that Smith, we made, it, Smith made it easier, kind of, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still high quality, but right. you know, Smith did help him with that for sure, and it was a strip sack as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing that Granderson has that I think can give Smith some trouble, and he can hit it, is a ghost technique. He's working on it. I've, I've noticed it in this game, especially the second half of the season. Um, I think Granderson trains with a lot of those pass rushers that he uses as well. So he has that kind of in his back pocket. And I'm, I'm sure we're probably going to see an, at least an attempt at this game. Um, so that, uh, that's a move to watch out for that uh, he's kind of working on as well. So Smith has to be, you know, on point on his game, uh, you know, in this matchup, because I think any of these three guys can, can beat him, especially Hendrickson and Granderson. Those are the two guys that, I would look at as, you know, possibly making a big play in this game. Interesting. Consider Davenport's the guy out of all those that they traded, that they gave two first, spent two first round picks on, uh, that the other two are actually a little more dangerous than I, but I, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> Smith does pretty well against yeah, straight power. Right yeah. 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 That, that's the thing. It's because it's a good matchup for him. And then Davenport also with what he's dealt with this year, he hasn't really been able to, you know, be on the field enough to really develop, you know, how, how much he needs to. So, right. you know, but he's still an athletic, powerful, right. long guy who can, who can win, but it's a good matchup for Smith. Right. For sure. Uh, Jonathan Stone, uh, just getting to some super chats here. Asked, does Arians ever run any two running back sets? No, he does not. I don't think there's been a play this season where two running backs have been on the field for the Bucks. And uh, the reason is Arians has never really run two running back sets. It's not really been a big thing that he does. And also, uh, if you looked at the running back room, you don't want two of those guys on the field, just being honest. And also, the Bucs don't use a fullback, so that uh, changes the game too. Uh, Robert Farmer, $10 super chat. appreciate you guys with the super chats. This is awesome, by the way. Uh, big, big help to the podcast. You all have been great with those lately. Every time I looked up, Hendrickson was in the backfield. I'm guessing you're talking about, well, could be week, both week one and week nine, Hendrickson played well. He's played well all season, to be honest. He's an energizer bunny guy. He's made himself a lot of money. I don't, I don't think he's necessarily – was he have 12 and a half sacks? I don't know if he's 12 and a half sacks elite. Um, you know, one of the top guys in the league this year, I think, in terms of sacks, but a good player who everybody would love to have in their pass rush rotation for sure. Um, so some good questions there, good super chats. Appreciate y'all. Let's keep rolling, Brandon. We've got to talk some about Aaron Stinney. I know you want to talk about Ryan Jensen too, because uh, his play has been Anytime. awesome. So let's talk about them kind of in unison here. Yeah. Alex Kappa goes down, injury. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but he Kappa in true Kappa form. I know you know him, and this won't surprise you. He tried to stay in the game with a broken leg, um, and actually, like they had to like call timeout and get him to go off, like order him off the field because he was gonna. I mean, he couldn't 
put any weight on his legs. So he's an absolute yeah. So, but now Aaron Stinney steps in for him. Aaron Stinney has barely played in the NFL. Um, I think he has like thirty some snaps this season. Um, and so I guess you've. I, I know you told me you're watching a little bit Aaron Stinney. So thoughts on Aaron Stinney, and then thoughts on what this means for somebody like Ryan Jensen playing next to him, and how he can be a help to Stinney and what will be obviously a huge matchup. Yeah, I mean, I th- I do think it's cool right away to just say that Stinney is kind of maintaining that interior being there's no division one guys on that interior, yes. which yes. is really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Stinney, you know, it's hard to get a real good gauge on him because he's played so little, but I watched his 25 snaps versus the Lions in week 16. That's the most expensive playing time he's had. And uh, you could definitely see um, a little bit of, you know, movement ability. They pulled him once and, you know, he really got out of his stance, you know, pretty explosively and got around the corner so, you know, maybe he could be used as a puller. Um, plus, that's a good way to kind of get a guy comfortable, you know, is to let him just kind of pull and, you know, run and kind of get those butterflies out. You know, maybe just go hit somebody in space, like you know. That. So that's something that, you know, I think he can actually do. Um, and then he just plays like what we were talking about earlier, but just like the right demeanor. You know, he's really physical and aggressive. And if he's going to mess up, he's going to mess up fast. You know, you want a guy like that. Um, you know, especially in a tough spot like this. I mean, you know, he has to have the right attitude, the right mentality. And if he can, you know, give you a little something in terms of movement, uh, you know, and, and versatility to the scheme at all, then, you know, that's just a plus. But, um, you know, Jensen is you, – you can't really have a better friend at center to play alongside of, especially in pass protection, uh, than Jensen. Um, and in this game, I would imagine – Jensen is going to be, you know, really keenly aware of Stinney and what's going on with him more so than Marpet, you know, and that's the nice thing about having Marpet is, you know, you don't really have to slide the center over his way a lot. um, And you can really kind of focus more attention over to Stinney and let Jensen kind of, you know, keep that eye on that side of the field a little bit more. Um, So that should at least help, you know, that, that uh, right side, a gap from being secure, but the B gap, you know, Dwarfs is going to have his hands full against Jordan. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he, you know, I don't know how much he's going to be able to, you know, come off and help. Uh, so that that's where I would, you know, kind of be concerned. And Sheldon Rankins is a guy who can certainly win on the outside. Um, so, you know, I, I think he really needs to be cognizant of protecting his edge and, um, you know, just making sure he's explosive out of his stance. I mean, that's the big thing. In pass protection, you you got to be explosive at the snap and <clears throat> really anticipate the snap. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a common theme of any guy who's successful in pass protection or, or the run game, but especially pass protection is, you know, knowing when to come out of your stance. And if you can get that split second of a jump on the def- defender, you're in that much better of a position. So that'll be huge for him. And I think it's huge for all offensive linemen this year not having a crowd uh, because, you know, they're able to just hear things and, and, and it's just so much more of a calm environment um, to be able to pick up on the snap. So I think that's where it all starts for him is, is the snap and getting out of his stamp, snap or excuse me, stance explosively. Um, and he's going to need to do that against Rankins because, right. uh, you know, Rankins is a guy who can win quickly. Um, so it's going to be a tough test for him, but he has some good help on his side, I think. Right. 
Yeah, good stuff. A couple of questions real quick. Are you concerned about increased first down runs in the Washington game? Not overly concerned. Washington played a lot of too high. They do play a lot of too high. And when that's the case, sometimes you have to be able to run the ball, especially on first downs. You know, you're not going to throw it on first down every single time. And so they felt like they could run it. They were clearly right. The Bucs ran it very well in that game. Um, you know, it's all about kind of evaluating as it goes. Can we have success against these fronts when they're in these looks? Not every game is going to have that universal solution. Just throw the ball on every first down. It's not that simple. Yes, I'm in favor of increased passing on first down because I think typically you have favorable looks for passing in those downs. Sometimes you won't. You have to be able to run the ball, and the Bucs executed it very, very well. I think against the Saints, you're probably going to get more single high looks with Marcus Williams back there, Malcolm Jenkins rolled down, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in the box. So I'm guessing throw, throw, throw is the strategy this week. So we'll see how it goes. A killer cat with a super chat. Appreciate that. 750. Nice, a killer cat. I know that we are all about keeping Brady upright. How are they going to fare versus the run defense? To me, that's a huge key for the entire O-line. That is uh, one of the things to watch in this game. Saints are very, very good. I think fourth in the NFL against the run as well. So it's a good point. It's a good observation. Like I said, I think it'll be a pass first game. You're going to need to throw the ball in this game to be successful. But again, maximize the opportunities you have when you run the ball. That's going to be huge in this game, um, I think, to, to, to be successful. So appreciate that. Um, Buck, 97.55. What do you guys think about PFF having Jensen ranked as the 18th center in the league? I know Brandon out of his first team all pro. Now we're talking Buck 97.55. Let's go. $5 super chat. Brandon Thorne, would you like to answer this question? <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going to plead the fifth on this. 17 centers better than Ryan Jensen. I mean, I'd like to see the names, first of all. Um, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. I mean, you know, I, one of the things about Jensen, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen the grades, uh, you know, so I don't know, you know, where they're dinging them at, really. But I'd imagine it's some pass protection stuff and some of the stuff we've talked about and some of the stuff that I've talked to the Bucks offensive line about as well. But some of the stuff that he's been asked to do um, this year is you know, he has a – quite a burden on his shoulders, you know, in terms of pass protection and, and the responsibilities that he has. If, if the defense puts together the right blitz uh, to, to certain protections, then Jensen is, you know, he has a very difficult responsibility trying to pick up a linebacker two gaps over that blitzes with the guy crossing his face. I mean, just stuff that Falcons, by the way, people remember that early, early sack for the Falcons in the first meeting, when Brady was sacked yes. by Deion Jones, kind of an example of what Brandon's talking about. Yeah, people can go back and watch that. And, you know, technically it's on Jensen and he gets named for that, um, you know, I think in, in his own room as well. But just in the context of all the centers and what they're asked to do in pass protection, you know, he has, I think, more responsibility than most. So that's something that I'm not sure is considered in the grades. Um, and then I think a huge thing that Jensen does that is not accounted for in grades as well is just his presence and what that does to prevent a lot of pressure from even happening um, or even being attempted in those a gaps when he's free and uncovered. I mean, if you watch him compared and you, you try to, you know, put him in the same position as other centers around the league where they're both uncovered and then you see sort of what is, you know, the, the, the amount of loopers and defensive ends and linebackers that are coming in inside, guys that are spinning inside. Guys just don't really do that against Jensen a whole lot. And if they do, they're going to get thumped, you know. Um, 
And, you know, that's just kind of a, one of the many little things that Jensen does that isn't really easy to pick up if you're just looking at, you know, did he do this, you know, or, or if you're trying to grade his responsibility on a play, you're not accounting for what the, the, the impact that he's having on the defense and all the things that aren't happening because Jensen's on the field. Um, so he's just one of those guys that's underappreciated, you know, usually I think maybe last year they had him better had from him what on. I remember. They had him yeah, on what we yeah, were talking last year. About. Yeah, yeah I, so, I, and I agree with you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, he's, yeah. you know, I think he could do also other things as well, you know, that you see flashes of like getting out in space. I mean, I wish the yes. Bucs used him more like that because Jensen, I mean, if you watch him in Baltimore, he was just the this athletic crazy dude running around, you know, yeah. flying up to the second and third levels. I mean, he's a really good run blocker in space. And, uh, you know, he does it here and there, but not as much as I think he should. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of duo and the guards climbing or, you know, something like that. And so he, yeah, it's been, you're right. Their thing, I mean, the Bucks' lack of a screen game has, I mean, they just have not had a running back screen game all season. And they finally hit one. And who's right. out there, you know, 30 yards down the field throwing a great block, Ryan Jensen, you know, and Ali Marpet. And so, again, you, you're you right. You have not been able to see that part of their game this season because the Bucks' screen game has been so unbelievably bad uh, to running backs. Um, they really haven't yeah. even hit one all year until until uh, right. last week against Washington. So um, yeah. you're right. There's a lot of stuff he can do that the fans haven't even really seen this year. And also, as much as I I do like some a lot of things about Pro Football Focus, people hear me mention them a lot. But what I always say, the grades like they don't take everything into context. Like Brandon's talking about, they don't take who the opponent is in the context, how difficult of assignment it is in the context for a corner, for example, Carlton Davis. I mean, you could put his assignments up against anybody in the league in terms of who he has to cover in man coverage. He never gets safety help because they play single high all the time. And so he is truly on an island in a technique, you know, in an off coverage situation that is not to his strengths. I mean, you can pretty much everything that's difficult for Carlton Davis, they've made his position about as hard as it possibly can be in this defense. And so that's why when you see me talking him up, but you see his PFF grades kind of average, they don't take those things into context when they grade. And I think they're really, really important. And that's the same with Jensen and what Brandon's talking about with his. Uh, his role there so yeah lot, lots to think about um from those perspectives but jensen a stud i actually think one of the things that pff d- dings him for is his snaps i'm not i think that that's part you know but he's had a ton of off target snaps this year and we don't even recognize him you know until we're going back and watching the game because brady catches every single one <laughs> so he's just yeah. kind of had a lot low ones or off to the left they've pulled left a lot this year less as the year's gone on but Anyway, there's a lot that goes into it, um, and I don't know if Jensen even has control over all that. Sometimes it has to do with where you're stepping after the snap and stuff. But I know we got to get you out of here, Brandon, and I don't want to keep you too long. But defensive line for the – we did a great job of talking about Bucks O-line, uh, Saints D-line, but I want to talk about the other side of the ball and the Bucks defensive line against the Saints elite, as you mentioned, offensive line too. But first, I need to talk about our friends over at Briar Greaves. What a year for the insurance world. Record number of name storms, yeah, more than 30 storms, flooding in addition to wildfires, not to mention the pandemic. With the commercial property and homeowners insurance rates increasing across the industry due to these catastrophes, Briar Greaves Agency has numerous carriers and options to help new and existing clients affected by these increases. Although these catastrophes have caused billions in losses, Water damage from pipes breaking, washing machines, ice maker hoses leaking, water heaters bursting are still one of the number one claims for homeowners. Briar will examine existing policies to make sure you have the correct coverages, not just the best pricing. 
Personal and commercial auto insurance is another line of business that Briar Greaves Insurance can help with shopping through carriers such as Progressive, MetLife, Safeco, Allstate, to name just a few. Life insurance is being purchased at a record-breaking amount due to individuals thinking about the future of their families more and more because of the pandemic. If in good health, medical exams can usually be waived as a requirement and accelerate the life insurance purchase to protect families. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the Buccaneers and proud sponsors of Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com or call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166 today. Brandon, man, we got a, a heck of a matchup here with the Bucks defensive line trying as much as they can to get to Drew Brees. It is a tall task. He is the least pressured quarterback in the NFL out of people who've played percentage-wise out of guys who've played. I think I think it's double-digit games or something like that. But anyway, of all the people you would consider starting quarterbacks in the NFL this season, he's the least pressured. He's one of the least sacked. This offensive line, it's been – part of it's the offensive line, part of it's how quick they get the ball out. What is the answer here? How do you – you scout pass rushers all the time, and this is more of a general how do they do it question rather than a how's this individual matchup with this guy. I think we know Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, we've seen him against – Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick enough to know they probably aren't going to win those matchups the vast majority of the time. They haven't really been able to do that against the Saints. And so how do they do it? How do you create pressure against a guy like Drew Brees, who's terrific against the Blitz, who's terrific under pressure, despite not being mobile? Like, what's the answer here for how you get this done? I think it's through the middle. You know, it's through the interior, over the guards. Uh, Cesar Ruiz had a rough outing last week against Akeem Hicks. Um, Now, granted, it's Akeem Hicks, but uh, Cesar Ruiz has been up and down this season uh, as a rookie. Um, He's the right guard, right? See the right guard? Right guard, yeah. Rookie out of Michigan, first-round pick. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I I think Sue has a pretty significant advantage over him. Uh, Now, you know, he's not on Hicks' level uh, right now, you know, anymore, I don't think. But right. as far as like the craftiness of the position, uh, Sue is outstanding as far as like setting up stunts. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the best things he does. Um, and I think he's going to have the upper hand on in, in that matchup. That That's a pretty big matchup, mismatch, in my opinion. And then, you know, going over to the left guard spot, Andrews Pete, he's kind of had an up and down years, more so than he usually has, in my opinion. I thought – this season was one of the worst seasons I've seen, if not the worst that I've seen him play. Um, so, I mean, the guard spots are, you know, they're, they're kind of right for the taking. I mean, I think Goldston is going to be able to give Pete, uh, you know, some trouble. I think if you put JPP in the middle or, you know, side of inside, I mean, over you know, as a three technique, he can give him some trouble. Same with Ruiz as well. Um, you know, I mean, JPP, I mean, this year, I think he's had one of a very impressive year. I mean, considering his age um, and how many snaps he's played, eight of the snaps at 32 years old. Right. How um, many fingers that, he has. Uh, I mean, dude, <laughs> what he's been through. Right. Um, yeah. And at his age and the amount of snaps that he's playing, I mean, he had, what, nine sacks, uh, I think right. four high-quality sacks, um, and some just really, really high-quality pass rushes that he's had this year. Um, so I think he can definitely make some noise in this game against Ruiz, Pete. Uh, probably not going to happen against uh, Armstead or Ramchek, like we said, but 
if you're going to get pressure on the Saints, I think those two guard spots, the Bucks have a few different options here to get some pressure. Right. All right. I got to close it out with this and ask you about, I'll do it. Readers, listeners of the Peter Report podcast and PeterReport.com. I'm going to ask Brandon about the bleach package. Uh, it's a little idea I had, Brandon. I got a little innovative and I came up with a defensive package that Todd Bowles should use. He doesn't even have to give me any credit if he uses it, but I want to, I want to run it by you. I'm going to run just the front by you. Don't worry about the the secondary as much, but here, here's the bleach package. And why I call it the bleach package is that it involves Devin White and Jordan Whitehead playing different roles in this front. So the Bucs don't have great interior pass rushers since Vita Vea went down. So it's been kind of a group effort and they've don't really have any depth at edge defender. So they can't really put like Anthony Nelson's not very good. So they put him out there and move one of the edge guys inside. You know, they're still kind of weak in a certain area. And so the bleach package, you get the best of every world, Brandon, because you get to put Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul out on the field, then either Ndamukong Sue or Will Golston, who are their best two current interior pass rushers, and then at the other defensive line spot, a little Devin White. And then at the linebacker spots, and this is obviously a pass-obvious down situation, the other linebacker spots, Jordan Whitehead and Levante David. And then in the secondary, you have your, your nickel grouping but with Mike Edwards at the other safeties you have three safeties on the field essentially you have Devin White playing on the defensive line again even if Devin White doesn't get home he is athletic and relentless and physical and he is good in pursuit so if somebody else flushes Brees he can make a play you know even if he's not going to beat a guy 1v1 isn't he more useful than some of the other D tackles that they have maybe rushing plus it gives you the fuck flexibility let's put Devin White outside let's put Jason Pierre-Paul inside let's put Shaq Barrett outside on the other side and Golston inside or Golston outside and, and Barrett and JPP inside so I'm curious what you think of this and I'm curious what you think of the general idea of playing JPP and Shaq Barrett over the guards more you mentioned it's the most advantageous matchup and you probably remember last year I believe it was in the playoffs Minnesota did that with Danelle Hunter and with um, Everson Griffin and they had success getting getting debris and, and impacting the game what are your thoughts on all of that Love it. I mean, I think I should know, be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. At least on. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, yeah, I, I like that idea. Just put the defensive tackle next to White, so you give him a little bit more protection there. You know, a little more size. Who oh, you know is somebody who can set him up. You know, and maybe get him. You know, run a TE with him. Uh, you know, let him loop around. Maybe an ET and crash into one of the guards and let Sue wrap around. I mean, run a lot of games over there and just let JPP tee off on the other guard and then Barrett, you know, rush off the edge. And I mean, there's a lot you could do with that. So I think yeah. it's worth a try for sure. That's a good idea. I hadn't even thought about putting the D tackle with him and running games yeah. because with white speed, I mean, it's right. quick. It's a it's a quick transition, you know. And and Sue is terrific. I mean, he might be the he's still one of the best defensive tackles in the league at games because he just throws his body yes. into a dude and he's huge and strong. And, and it's so, everything, you know. Yeah, he's so yep. good. Yeah. Right, he's so good. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I don't know, not bad at all. Hey, when you're playing Drew Brees and the Saints, you got to find creative ways to get quarterback. And maybe you get burnt and they run a draw or they run a screen and you get cooked up. All right, like, but you're gonna get cooked up if you don't try something too. So, in my opinion. Try something, get aggressive with it, uh, and I love the idea. I think it's, I, I, and I love the suggestion about the the stuns and the twists too. Todd Bowles, I know you listen to this podcast, but let's see it on Sunday. Let's see it put it into motion. Brandon, dude, it's awesome. I mean, we could do this for forever. 
Um, and we could talk uh, O-line, D-line forever. And I know we're going to have you on certainly during draft season because I know you're going to be doing a lot of draft work on players. Can you let the people know where they can find your stuff? Your sub stack is putting out unbelievable content. So just maybe can you talk a little bit about your sub stack and your projects that you have going on right now and the specific content that people can find when they go there? Because I want as many people to subscribe to your stuff and your work as possible because I've seen it. It is unbelievable and it's detailed and it's the kind of stuff you're not going to get anywhere else. The fans, Bucks fans are like some of them. I don't know if you know this because Bucks fans were like a quiet, uh, awesome group. And so like they are really like educated fans. Like they want to understand the game at a higher level. So I think they'd be super interested in the kind of stuff you're doing. Yeah. So I started my own newsletter and it's trenchwarfare.substack.com. You can go there. You can put type in your email and just get uh, at least a one weekly article delivered to your inbox. And then if you want to support my work, um, you know, further, you can subscribe and then get some additional content as well. Uh, but yeah, it's all focused on offensive and defensive line. Uh, I have a lot of fun stuff in the offseason plan. I'm going to expand uh, the, the true sack rate that, you know, I got from you and just kind of put my own tweak, tweaks on it. Um, I'm going to do all the defensive tackles for sure uh, from the 2020, or 2020 season. So basically chart every single sack and then determine how high quality or low quality it was. And then that gives us just another tool in the evaluation of pass rushers that I think is cool. Um, but, you know, a lot of film breakdowns. I'm going to be at Offensive Line Masterminds this summer, and I'm going to be able to provide some content uh, from that as well. So that, that'll be really cool. Um, uh, man, and then uh, for the NFL draft, I'm going to be uh, studying and writing up a scouting report on every single eligible offensive lineman in the draft. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it would be awesome to talk uh, later in the season, uh, draft season, that is about that. Uh, this will be the most draft work I've ever done. So I'm really excited about it. And, man, I watched Deontay Brown today, and I, it was a lot of fun. Uh, That's awesome. You know, excited to see him as a pro. And, yeah, yeah so it'll be fun to talk about some prospects, and I'll have some some stuff coming out soon as well on college guys. So right. all that stuff on my, on my newsletter you can check out. Right. Yeah, that'll be huge, huge because it's possibility, you know, with Ryan Jensen's contract and Donovan Smith's contract, if they needed to move money around, I don't think Jensen's going anywhere, but just possibilities, you know, that one of those guys might be gone and they're looking for a starter at that position, maybe even in the draft. And so, you know, we don't know anything yet, just throwing up possibilities, but, you know, having you on to talk about those guys would be clutch, especially because at the very least, they're going to need to look for O-line depth. I mean, they, they just don't have much depth especially with A.Q. Shipley having a career-ending injury. They haven't had much O-line depth. So hopefully Aaron Steeny can prove that he's one of those guys this Sunday, going to be a, a, a lot to, to watch in that game. But, uh, Brandon, man, I appreciate so much uh, you giving us your time, your insights, your energy on this podcast, man. It, it means a lot to, to me and to the fans. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. You can find Brandon on Twitter at BrandonThornNFL. Remember, fans, we will be back but not until Sunday night after the game. Sunday night after the game, we go live. Well, the game will end. It starts at 640. The game will end. Well, the postgame pressers pretty soon after that with Arians and with a couple of the players. And then at that point, after a couple of players have gone, we usually try to jump on and go live at that point. So it will be a late one. We know for a fact after uh, last sun Saturday after the Washington game record-setting show that that doesn't bother you all whatsoever. We're up 12 to 1 partying. And so hopefully we're partying again on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. We appreciate so much y'all listening and y'all checking it out. Until next time, uh, thanks so much for listening to another great edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out.